Okay, hi Ole. Um, <laughs> we are we've already sort of spoken. Um, uh, we've done the the uh, formalities, so it's a little awkward and to good to see you to, to do it all all over again. But yeah, great to see yeah. you. Um, we met in um, in northern Denmark. Tistel, uh, to be accurate. At a, at a, at the uh, European Men's Gathering. Yes. And we had a chat. Um, and I found out that you're a professor at the Copenhagen Business School. Yes. Right. And um, I don't know too much about what your research is involved in. I was looking a little bit. Uh, apparently, you, you, you research money. Yes. Um, and what is money? He asked this question, what is money? So I'm kind of interested in that. Um, mm. uh, but also, we, we spoke about men's groups and their importance. And you talked about a business you were going to create um, with, with, uh, with our friend Paul uh, yeah. related to, uh, you know, bring, bringing men's groups into companies and that kind of thing. Yeah. So anyway, maybe you just want to say something about yourself um, uh, a, a little bit. What, what's your, what's your, what's your vision? What's your story? <laughs> I think you covered the, a lot of it or some of it, at least it is true that I've been working on uh, money uh, for the last seven, eight years. And to some extent, I still am working on money. Uh, so I'm not an economist. I'm a <clears throat> sociologist slash philosopher. So that allows me to sort of, I've sort of stepped into this field of economics through the back door, uh, which has allowed me to sort of open up very basic questions, which the field itself hasn't really asked or or at least not to a, a large degree and, and and one of these questions is exactly what is money and and more importantly where does money come from so that's something i've been engaged with um but then in recent years or the last one or two years i've become very interested in men's work which is why we've met mm -hmm. um and this is something that's that interests me both from a personal point of view because I am a man so uh, uh, and I like being a man and I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of potential in being a man uh, I think sometimes we tend to think of yeah, both men and women or at least or in I don't like the word gender but I'm gonna use it anyway mm -hmm. but sometimes we think of gender as a as a liability something it's better if we don't have a gender and it's better if our gender doesn't really count in, in, in the relations we enter into. Uh, and I think that's wrong. I don't think, uh -huh. I don't think gender should be a, a liability. I think it should be an asset. Uh, for me, it's a, a, a large asset and it's something that um, um, I, I don't think we are utilizing enough in our society, in our culture. And certainly it's also something that, I found that the more I can use, utilize that asset in, in my own life, the better. The mm -hmm. better for me, the better for my wife, the better for my kids, the better for my friends and everything. So that's, um, and, and that's what men's work is um, about for me. And okay, I, so, so um, masculinity as an asset um, is what I'm hearing you saying. Um, I, I have a kind of theory I want to just put forward, which I think is related, okay? There's a Zen phrase that's, that says, you know, first there are mountains and rivers, and then there are no mountains and rivers anymore, and then mountains and rivers are mountains and rivers again. 
Have you heard that before? The send phrase? I think I've heard it, but I don't think I understood it. So I I, I, one way to look at this is mountains and rivers are is masculine and masculine and the masculine and the feminine, right? Yeah. And there is a sense that it, in our society, we've kind of lost that. And that's the uh, part where, yeah. where mountains and rivers are not mountains and rivers again, right? And then uh, it seems to be at this point in our history or in this point in society, there seems to be an interest again in, in discovering yes. uh, this, this distinction between men and women and why that's important and yeah. why it's not just something to, to, to throw away or, yeah. yeah. That, that is very true. That is very true. And I, um, but I would add that I think, um, because I also think about this philosophically, I think I've mm -hmm. kind of figured out that one of the reasons why I don't like the word gender is because gender starts, as soon as you start talking about gender, you're invited to think about the distinctions or the differences between men and women. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that there are plenty of differences. However, I'm not sure that the question of what is the difference between men and women is the best question to ask. So I like to ask more, uh, what does it mean to be a man? Mm -hmm. And could also be what does it mean to be a woman i don't know too much about that because i am a man so i'm more interested in what does it mean to be a man mm -hmm. and it's not the same question i'm i'm also this is this is something that i've become very aware of in my work on money uh, the thing is when we approach the question of money we sometimes um or in economics there's a tendency to ask the wrong questions about money so we we tend to ask questions about what is the price of this or what are the relative prices between this and that and how, mm -hmm. how, why is this more valuable than this and so forth. Um, but the basic questions of money, such as where does money come from, mm -hmm. tends to get lost in that. And it's the same in the field of men and women. I think when we start talking about what are the differences between men and women, we sort of get sidetracked in a way. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I think these other questions like, so what is it, what does it mean to be a man? Um, it sort of puts us on another path. And that's not, I, I, having said that, I mean, again, there are differences between men and women, but, yeah. but I think if we approach the question from another angle, uh, we get to a, a, a different point. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Well. Obviously, we, we define ourselves through difference in, in some kind of a way. I mean, you know, we're a man. We're not, even the word woman has the word man inside of it. So there's, you know, um, I think the, the, there is a difference. But maybe what you're saying is that, that it's a more deeper question is, is, is when you look at it in yourself. Or is that, does that make sense? Well, um, it is. I'm not You said something. About, so you said um that we identify ourselves through differences mm -hmm. and i know i mean that's the sociology that i've been brought up with that this sort of thinking in differences all the time i'm not sure that's the, i'm not sure that's necessarily true huh. how is it i mean what if, what if i just i just identify as a man period mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then regardless of and some of the things i mean there's some of the things in me that come out when I identify as men, which are probably the same in women. And then there's some that aren't, but it, but still it kind of, it matters to me that I am a man. Mm, okay. Um, so the way, the, the way I've tried to work with it, I have, I can show you this, not that it's important, but it's just here on my, this is my, this is one of my favorite books. This is Heidegger. 
Right. I was going to bring Heidegger up because because uh, I yeah. know that you're a big fan of Heidegger and yeah, yeah, I, love I am Heidegger. also. So. Mm -hmm. so Heidegger. So this book, Sign on Sight, is um, in this book. Um, Heidegger he talks about he talks about man or not man in the sense of man woman but in the sense of human being. But he doesn't word, use the word human being. He uses the word Dasein. Um, so, which is kind of like a, it's a genderless mm -hmm. being in a sense, right? But he talks about what, what, what does it mean to be a human being? What, what does it mean to be Dasein? So, and one of the things that he says is that Dasein, the, the human being is distinguished by uh, um, through the fact that our being is an issue for us. So for uh -huh. me as a Dasein, my own being is an issue for me. Mm -hmm. So it's my own being is something that I kind of have to come to terms with. I have to investigate it and understand it, but I also have to realize it and live it. Mm -hmm. so, so within time, I, right? Within time and the that, fact of, of mortality. and Exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. So what I want to try and do, uh, or what I'm trying to do in my work at the moment, is to say, what does that look like if we use these Heidegger's concepts to understand what it means to be a man? What, what would that look like? And so what I've, one of the things I've come up with is that I think what distinguishes a man is that he has to come to terms with what it means to be a man. Yeah. So, so that's 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 basically what defines or what what distinguishes me as a man is that yeah I have to come to terms with that, and of course we can then do that in many different ways, but we can't get around this question. Mm -hmm. We we just you, you need to figure out what kind of a man do I want to be. That's like a, our life task in a way. Mm -hmm. And then you can try and escape this life task. You can stay a boy for all of your for your entire life that's not a good strategy or at least i don't think that's a good strategy you can also try to say ah no 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 i don't want that uh i don't even want to identify as a man i want mm -hmm. to i i can be any gender or whatever you can be androgynous or yeah something like that and um, on the one hand you can say well maybe that's one way then of being a man is to be whatever uh something um, but I think that some, sometimes there can also be an element of trying to escape yourself in that, mm -hmm. like, because, because why is that? Can I, can I interrupt? Why is that question? So sort of offensive to people, right? At this time, it's yeah. like, it's like people want to, if, when you ask this question, you know, what it means to be a man and then people yeah. are almost offended by that. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it seems yeah. to be, no, I'm a person, you know? Yeah. Why do I have to be, you know, dis why do I have to distinguish myself as a man, right? I think that it's because we have a... <coughs> Excuse me, I'm a little sick. <laughs> yeah, no, if we have, a, we have a deep sense that... So this, being a person, for instance, is not a... Um, it doesn't really come with very many commitments or obligations. It's you, being a person is something you... Ah. Are, the, minute, the minute you're born, you are a person. Hmm. You don't have to do anything to be a person. It's free in a sense. So being a man is something we need to become, right? It's yes. not something where that just happens to us. Exactly. Yeah. Being a man has this duality. On the one hand, yes, it is something you're born with a penis and, and then at some point you become a man. But at the same time, we have this sense that 
No, it's also an ethical obligation. Yeah. So there's something you need to fulfill something. You need to do something. And of course, that's that can be like, ah, oh, shit, can I do that? And what's going? Ah, oh, it's terrifying in a way, or it's anxiety provoking because it may come with all these obligations and mm -hmm. responsibilities and all these kind, of, and also the possibility of failure. Mm -hmm. You can't, as a person, you can't really fail. I mean, it's not like, yeah. oh, then I'm not a person. But you, as a man, you can fail. Well, you could be subhuman. You could be less than human. Um, but Yeah, but would you be less than human? You wouldn't be less than human by virtue of something you do yourself. Isn't it something you become by virtue of something that someone else does to you? I don't mm -hmm. know if that's... And of course, I mean, it's also, I mean, of course you can be a good person. No, that's just semantic. I, I, I'm yeah. following what you're saying, you know, yeah. and, I, and I agree. And it has something to do also with uh, what you were saying before about being, becoming, right? Yeah. Uh, in this Heideggerian sense, like. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I think it is true that people get offended, but I think below this offense, below this, and anger also, I think below that feeling, there's another feeling. Mm -hmm. which is a feeling of anxiety or a feeling of, oh, maybe I can't do this or maybe I'm not good enough or uh, maybe I can't live up to this. Um, so I think, so, so I think behind all these feelings that come out, so that do come out when, when you say some of these things or sometimes come out when you say some of these things, there are actually other kinds of feeling. And I think we should take these. I mean, I, I certainly think that, we should take these feelings seriously. I mean, because they are serious. Um, um, so, um, and of so maybe, course, I mean, yeah. No, no, go, I, go I, ahead. I, add, I just want to add, of course, I mean, when I say that, that, that there's a, being a, or becoming a man is, is kind of like an ethical obligation. Um, Mm -hmm. that that's not to say that there's a particular there's a specific formula of the kind of man that you then have to become i mean there's plenty mm -hmm. of ways to be a man of course mm -hmm. so so in that sense there's a yeah uh, an openness in that but still it is sort of a, a life challenge or something life task you have to uh, take upon yourself mm -hmm. i was thinking as you were speaking um you know, you know, Nietzsche, he talks about how a philosopher's ideas are really their, their biography in, in some kind of a way, right? So then I, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about why that's of interest to you, right? <laughs> why this becoming a man is of interest to you and, and why, yeah. why, why do you feel this need to, to, let's say, become a man or, or why do we, because, you know, I can relate to that as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think everyone I think all men and boys certainly they also have that and especially when they when boys when they start becoming that I have two sons they're 12 and 16 so they're right at that age where they they feel that urge or that calling to become men so they're kind of mm -hmm. yeah working on that um, so we have that but it's also true as you said or I think there's also Mm, reasons why someone like myself or you or I mean we all have reasons for why we then become perhaps extra interested in this and um, so for me I think mm, 
I mean, at least one of things, I mean, I've, uh, some years ago, I was uh, divorced and uh, um, my oldest son, he was like, had a conflict with his mother. And, um, and so what happened there was that my role as a father sort of became, um, was challenged. Uh, so I was, I mean, uh, I was, yeah, so there, there was challenges there and, 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 and also some kind of a crisis there. So, and, and I think, so, so that's been part of it, that this mm -hmm. has made me aware of. Uh, yeah. yeah. So the crisis, that's interesting. Huh? It's also think that, man, you know, discovering or growing into manhood is always related to at least some kind of a crisis. Um, yeah. and, and, and in the beginning that used to be dealt with through rites of passage and, and, and that kind of thing. But, Today we don't we don't have the same kind of formal rites of passage. So often we we go through a crisis, um, yeah. and, and that that sort of makes us think that that you know it's important for us to be men rather than be just like our wives or just like other people. Or there's some kind of distinction in, in, in that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And I I can also I mean for me actually I'm gonna add I just came just two weeks ago I went. To, on a rite of passage with my son, my oldest son. All right, with Arne. Uh, with uh, Arne Rubinstein that yeah. you also are familiar with, I guess. Uh, and it was amazing. I mean, amazing for three days. And for him and for me and for our relation, it was just, um, yeah, it's one of the best things I've uh, done in my life. Really amazing. And it's true, as you say, that, um, I mean, we need to, what rites of passage, uh, passages what they do is that they mark sort of transitions in our lives and the most important transition is the one from being a boy to becoming a young man but there's also other like and i think for me i went from being a man to becoming a father and in that yeah. process there was a crisis and all these kinds mm. and for me that became a rite of passage also yeah a really huge struggle so for me becoming a father was not just something it was something that I, I discovered that this is something I also have to work on or work yeah. for and struggle for. So I've done a lot of work on that. Um, and as I was doing it, of course, with these things, it was like, it's hard work and it's even more hard work if you have, even if, if you don't have a conflict with the mother, it's hard work still. But then if you, if you then also have a conflict with the mother, it is even more hard work. So I've, I've done a lot of very hard work but I've also learned a lot of things from that. And one of the things I've learned is the value of, uh, is how men, how, how we can help each other. I mean, if it hadn't been for other men who helped me, mm. I don't know what I, I, what I, I would have been crazy, I'm sure. So uh, I, I really also discovered the value of friendship and, um, um, yeah. and also, it seems like that male friendship is something extremely valuable. And I also think that it's something that is kind of mocked in popular culture. It's kind of made fun of. It's kind of, yeah. it's, it's not seen as a serious, as a serious no. and beautiful business, right? Yeah. It's often seen as a, you know, caricatured as a bunch of, yeah. you know, dumbass dads going to the football yeah. game or drinking beer yeah. and, and uh, you know, being kind of dragged around. <laughs> I th uh, I and I think their wives or something like that. So, yeah. so, so, uh, so I've also, 
I completely agree with you. I think that, I think that uh, this is something I've discovered late in life uh, is, is the value of, and the importance and, you know, sometimes the difficulty, but also the beauty of male friendships. Mm -hmm. No, that's true. That's, I've, I mean, I've had throughout my life, I've had uh, many cl close friendships and most of the time I've actually always had like one or a few very, very close uh, friends. Um, so this is something that I've always valued, but I I think as I grow older, I just come to value it even more. Mm -hmm. And then you say that in our culture, there's, um, I think there's a suspicion or there's a, I think because there's a deep, because friendships are so powerful, the things that men can do together, when they get together, they can do really, really powerful things. Oh. And I think in our nice. culture and in society, there's a, our society knows that. So it yeah. kind of knows, well, if we want to control the population or if we want to control society, ah, let's not have too many friendships. Let's not have yeah. too many male friendships. Right, because that, well, that power can be positive or negative, right? It can be, yes. <laughs> it can be ter a terrorist group or it can be um, a, a band of brothers working together to make, you yes. know, something, something great, or it could be all kinds of things, right? And also maybe, I mean, even also just, you can say, well, some of the, some of the energy that men would put into friendships, I mean, if they don't have friendships, maybe they would put it into their work instead, and maybe that's better for the corporation or whatever. So they, they kind of want us to expend that energy into that system rather than, yeah, for, mm -hmm. for other purposes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. That's the conspiracy theory about uh, friendships. Um, but I think that, that, that just like I said in the beginning, for me being a man, it, it's such a powerful asset, which we're not utilizing optimally. And that also includes friendships. Friendships are also such powerful relations assets, which we could also utilize much, much better. Um, that's one of the things I got out of this rite of passage that so I was doing this rite of passage together with um, so there was my son and seven other boys and seven other fathers and then there were some assistants who were all men um, and this experience of having all these men helping each other raise these boys was just so beautiful and so powerful um, um, and, with, and there's so much potential in that, that mm -hmm. we could utilize. Uh... Yeah, there's, well, it's, it's almost a rediscovery of, of who we are as human beings, right? Because that always existed, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah, it I seems know. in modernity, it, it's, just, it's just been sort of destroyed or, or, or turned into pathological forms of itself or... Yeah, it's or many of these things they've become institutionalized, mm -hmm, right? So yeah, like so the male friendship has become institutionalized in the in the corporation. Childcare has been institutionalized in the daycare facility and and so forth. Um, and of course, I mean some of these institutions. Yes, they're very efficient. I mean, institutionalized daycare is very efficient. The corporation very very efficient. However. Mm, something when we move our human relations into these institutions, we also lose something. 
And mm -hmm. I think that's kind of where we are today. We're kind of in the process of discovering some of the things that we've lost in that transition and, and, yeah. and, 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 and because the else? institutions are, 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 are failing us um, on some massive level. I mean, not, not in keeping the society together, but in terms of providing a meaningful yeah. existence. Yeah. Yes. No, that's true. So, um, but I also see a lot of um, good efforts to recreate in new forms some of these things that we've kind of lost. Like the thing that where we met at the European Men's Gathering is also like a rediscovery and a reinvention of something that used to be there, but we kind of lost and now we're recreating it, but in a modern set setting, right? Um, and I see a lot of that going on, fortunately. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you see the film, The Joker? <laughs> no, I haven't uh, seen it. You haven't seen uh, it yet. Uh, it's worth uh, seeing because uh, in, some, in some levels, um, for me, I was I was watching this movie, and it's it's the overgrown man who's 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 uh, stays with his mother and and doesn't, and then and then the pathology of that. It, there's a lot of realism to it. Uh, I guess I mentioned it just because I, because I I was writing about it recently and um, thinking thinking about um, how the postmodern sort of, you know, this postmodern leveling of difference, the leveling of of dis distinctions and qualities of everything and then and then what what's left is is a kind of a parody of yeah of society yeah, yeah. and uh this film was 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 interesting because it had a kind of realism to it it kind of killed this whole um superhero myth ah. of good and evil you know it kind of was destroying this kind of you know uh pseudo mysticism of the superhero myth where you're always going to be saved by by this and that person and then you saw this person who was actually real you know and yeah. um how that relates to 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 what we're talking about and uh, well i think i think there's a kind of a caricature of masculinity that has to be kind of like <laughs> yeah no that's true a caricature of all the roles in in fact and art you know and and which you know because of i guess because of hollywood you know and and mm -hmm. and 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 um you know what and all all of all of this whole in, in entertainment industry and and so so we have this caricature view of what is a man and what is a woman and what is a person and what is a yeah whereas it's actually something do all these things that need to uh, we need to find out the deeper and complex nature yeah. yeah so so on the so that's very true i think on the one hand yeah it's true that there's a there's some tendencies for a, an attempt to level the differences or neglect or annihilate the differences between men and women, but there's also attempts to annihilate, and that's maybe even more problematic, the differences between boys and men. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I think we need to have a, I think we need to have a... Um, yeah, and the Joker is that, that person who, who never grows up, who never goes yeah. through that particular stage so he remains yeah. always uh, in in a kind of infantile state, um, yeah. and I think this is I think this is kind of a a plague, especially in in uh, is that the right word plague? Oh, it's it's it's, it's yeah, very no, it very wide widespread is this yeah. uh, is this man boy mm -hmm. who who never takes responsibility. He has all all the freedoms in the world, right? 
Mm. He has all the he has all the technology in the world. He has all the gizmos and toys in the world, but he, but he never quite grows mm. into grows up and and like in the Jordan Petersonian sense takes responsibility, right? But he remains this kind of clown of or caricature of himself. And I think I mean that there's a that it's there's a tendency for us to or in a culture to speak badly about men and being a man. So we. Mm-hmm. So, so um, it's always like, um, oh, it's not always, but it's often sort of associated with something suspicious or ridiculous or something else being a man. And, and what that does is that it, when we talk about being a man in those terms, what we're telling boys is that don't aspire to become a man. Don't aspire to become a man mm-hmm. because it's just ridiculous or it's dangerous or it's suspicious or whatever it is. Um, it's toxic um, yeah exactly yeah. and and we're doing everyone the boys the women the everyone we're doing everyone a disservice by doing that uh, mm-hmm. nothing good comes of that there's a there's a now you, you mentioned Jordan Peterson so there's a there's one phrase or one towards the end of his book um, 12 rules where he says if you're afraid of strong men you haven't seen what weak men can do, something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Weak men become this joker, become this terrorist, yeah. become this, yeah. you know, yeah. incel, become whatever, all these sort of like, like things. This is what happens when, when, when men, you know, don't cultivate some kind of strength. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, I mean, mm, mm, what, what also gets, when we talk about, that's also, I mean, I don't like this word gender. I want to talk about men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we talk about these issues, like for instance, I was just involved recently in a debate about um, equality here in yeah. Denmark. Yeah. Um, so um, when yeah. we talk about equality and oh, how many women are there in the boardrooms and what is the gender wage gap and all these things, it, it, we get it. Mm, we talk as if it's a zero-sum game. We talk, uh-huh, there's yeah. a finite amount of goods, and then they are distributed between these two classes of people, men and women. And the more the men get, the less the women get. So yeah. the more we can take from the men, the more the women will get. Yeah. That's an absurd way of thinking. Yeah. And, and what I've experienced through my men's work and through EMG and all, is the more man, the, the stronger I become in my manhood, the better for my wife. Yeah. Well, it's complementarity rather than opposition, right? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. So, so strong men, uh, good men, it just benefits everyone, including not uh, the women uh, mm-hmm. and the children, of course, also. So there's, yeah, there's all the kind, these kinds of good things about men and strong men. So we should, yeah, do what we can to encourage that. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so you told me you're writing a book about uh, something to do with Heidegger and 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 Peterson. Uh, com- well, comparing the two, or, or 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 talking about Heidegger and men. So I started. Or- well, what happened was I started writing a book about Jordan Peterson, and then when I was forty pages into it, I was like, mm-hmm, "Why am I? What is this book actually about?" I mean, he's written his own book, and he's still alive, and he can speak yeah. for himself. Does he really need me to say something about him? And then also, I was. I kind of 
came to the realization that what interested me, I'm not really interested in Jordan B. Peterson himself. I'm interested in men, yeah, men and women, but particularly men. So I kind of skipped that manuscript and then started a new one where I wanted to raise this question, what does it mean to be a man? Um, and then, um, uh, yeah, and then my plan was to sort of include different thinkers in that. Um, I actually, I mean, I know, uh, I actually came across some of your writings before we met. And I did, because I, I discovered that you, you had like this, you also like Shizek and you also like Jordan Peterson. Um, mm -hmm. And I've also, I mean, I've, I also like uh, Shizek or yeah, I still like him, but uh, I, I, several of my books have, I've used his work and I've been very inspired by that. So I also tried using some Shizek on this, but it didn't really work. And then, so I went my, my default position, whenever I don't know what to do, I, Heidegger. I go back to Heidegger and see, uh -huh. okay, what would he think or what would he say? And then I, I started, yeah, just building on, on, on sign on sight and his ideas. And, and I haven't really moved further than that. So now it's become like this book about being a man, uh, mm -hmm. using Heidegger. So it's Is a it lot Heidegger? of man and Heidegger and, uh, yeah, that's kind of it. But mm -hmm. I'm in the middle of it now, so uh, I'm not really... So uh, that probably means you will be attacked at some point for being a Nazi. <laughs> I think that's happening already. It's already uh, happening, is it? Yeah. Yeah, I did, yeah, I did, there's a, yeah, I was involved in it. I was on, I, I was on television a couple of weeks ago uh, uh -huh. on this issue of uh, equality. And uh, I mean, I know this. I mean, some people, they... It's, so Heidegger, he has this phrase, he, he says, being uh, has the nature of um, jemeinigkeit, mindness. Mm -hmm. So it means that being is always, I mean, it's always mine, or I can't talk of being sort of in an abstract way because it's, it's, it's mine, it's kind of part of who I am. Mm -hmm. And I think that also applies to being a man or being a woman. Uh, is something very, very, very intimate. Right. And you're, that's interesting. It seems like you're resisting definitions here. You're talking about something that's very important, but you're, you're resisting some kind of ultimate definition of that thing. Yeah. Which is, I think that that's what, he, I mean, kind of, I think that's what I learned from Heidegger is that, yeah. is that a, you know, thinking is not just being stuck in one, in one conceptual world. It's sort of re revealing and unraveling the meanings yeah. of that thing. And it's kind of an infinite process with, with no end. So yeah. um, does that make yeah. sense? That's very true. And now I'm thinking, Oh no, my book, maybe it's never going to end. <laughs> How can I think? <laughs> no, but that's the right, that's your book. Shouldn't, it shouldn't have an ending. It shouldn't be like a, it shouldn't be an, an absolute statement. It should be a provoking of, 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 uh, yeah. of, of more truth. Right. Yeah. Um, no, no, I hope that. And I, I mean, I, you, before you ask me sort of how was, why, why, why did this quest of being a man, why, why, why has that become relevant to me? And I told a story about my son and divorce and all this, but I think there's another thing is that I've, I studied sociology in the, in the nineties. And, um, I then later discovered that none of what I read in sociology about men and women, was of any use to me in terms of figuring out my own life 
more the opposite. It was just confusing or misleading me. Um, and I actually think that there's actually very few resources in philosophy in terms of thinking about what it means to be a man. Well, have you read, read uh, Ivan Illich's book? Uh, uh, do you know Ivan Illich? Who? 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 I, Ivan Illich. Ivan Illich? Yeah. He wrote a book. He actually... He actually wrote a book called Gender, and then, and then this was hijacked. This term was hijacked. Probably it was him who brought it into vogue. Ah. But uh, it's the most interesting book I've ever read on, on uh, you know, men and women and, and, uh, and complementarity and, and all that. Yeah. Maybe you should check that book out. It's from the 80s, isn't it? I, I think it was, it was published in 1980, yeah. Yeah. I think my friend here talks about this sometimes, but I haven't gone around to. And I'm sitting here, oh, there's nothing in philosophy, there's nothing in sociology, and then there's all these books that I haven't read, so maybe I should be a little bit more careful. But at least, I mean, I didn't, it was, it was a part of the curriculum that I was introduced to. It just didn't help me. I mean, and I think it's, it's still to the last, I think that's one of the reasons why Jordan Peterson has become so popular. Yeah. Because here's, here's actually the beginnings or the sketch or the introduction to a conversation about what it means to be a man, which does not start from the premise that, oh yeah, men are bad and they're just out to exploit yeah. women and all this kind of stuff. But it kind of, it really starts from a positive uh, starting point saying men are generous. They want to help women and be yeah, honest yeah. and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and, um, that's right. I think it's an introduction. I think you're right. And also I think that um, he's kind of like, uh, he's kind of the only person out there who is, is valorizes that and in, in, in a relentless sort of way and keeps going, uh, valorizes the, you know, um, the value of men and keeps talking about it. And I think even for more think like, like, like more like intellectual people that it's, it, that, that seems quaint or something to them or, or but yeah. uh but and so they miss the importance of that um i often yeah. wonder if it comes from a sort of working class you know background and really understanding yeah. you know the the kind of toughness of of of, of yeah. primary primal life and and uh i don't know if that makes no that makes sense there's something i noticed in so in the in the in the in the kathy newman interview there was and it was right at the beginning. So she asks him something along the lines of, oh, um, all your, most of your audience is male. Yeah. They're, most of them are men. And then he kind of, he kind of deflects that or he's then answers, well, yeah, but it's just because it's YouTube and mm -hmm. Tumblr is uh, for girls, something like that. And then there's this sense that he, he wants to kind of avoid or mm, he kind of deflects that question there. But then I've seen in later interviews, it's like he's, he kind of discovers, okay, why is it that, why is it that that's even a bad thing that yeah. so many men or boys yeah. or young men find yeah, Why should I, why should he be apologizing for that exactly. in any way? I mean, I, I, there's I no reason to apologize for that. Later, I mean. Yeah, I remember seeing later interviews with him where he's, where he kind of um, just, takes it more as a like a positive quality mm -hmm. saying yeah. well it's yeah that's because it appeals to them yeah. um so yeah because then young men are important and they have all this virility and they yes you know they they help build the world and and uh, we have to 
yeah. You know? And there's, I mean, there's plenty of people speaking for, I mean, if you're a woman, I mean, and you want to know about what it means. I mean, there's, there's so much more stuff on that and it, and it doesn't start from, then we can debate whether that's good. Or, I don't know that because I'm not a woman. Perhaps it makes sense for the women, whatever's out there already, feminism and what have you, gender theory. Maybe it makes sense for them. And if it does, that's all well and good. Go ahead. Yeah. But I can just, for myself as a man, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't yeah. help me. Well, I was thinking about this and, and I don't want to be anti-feminist at all. I want to be pro-feminist, but I also want to be masculinist. Like, I, I think the picture has to be, has to be balanced, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I think we can criticize feminism in a lot of ways. And then there's some feminists who are, yeah, who are more interesting than others. Uh, and, and we don't want to go there particularly, particularly, but, 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 uh, but, but if there's feminism, there has to be masculinism as well. I mean, I think, yeah, but I, I, mm, what if it's like this and I'm just throwing that out there. What if it's like this for women or for some women, it makes sense to make sense of themselves from the perspective of feminism, which is like taking one side. Mm -hmm. Maybe that makes sense to them. But what if it's like this, that for men, that just doesn't make sense. It's not part of our, like, um, uh, part of being a man is protecting, or, or part of being a man is putting women and children before yourself. Mm -hmm. it, what sure. if that's part of being a man? then even masculinism wouldn't even make sense. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if that's true, but I do know that for me, feminine, I mean, if it makes sense to some people, fine, go ahead, do it. Well, I guess what I mean by masculinism is just um, revalorizing masculinity and maleness. And just as, as, as feminism, you know, yeah. at least an intention is, is trying to value the, 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 the you know, the woman is, is of, of value. Right. And, and so, we're saying the women is a yeah. value and the men is also a value. <laughs> yeah, we don't even have to have isms, but. But I, yeah, I'm not even, yeah, I know what, you, but there's, there's also something in it, in that. I mean, I don't think it's for me to, and I, and I know that's not what you're saying, but you, one could kind of think, Oh, now we've had feminism that has kind of like whatever overvalued or, I don't think it can be overvalued, but at least sort of um, put put the feminist or the feminist sort of on the pedestal or whatever they've done. So now we need something to counterbalance that. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that's ever going to balance out. I think we need to find another. Uh, well, maybe that's still rivalrous in in a sense. That's it still, is in a sense, and and, yeah. and and again and again, it doesn't. Uh, there's a there's a reason why there's feminism and not masculinism. It, it is because the whole idea of valorizing mm, the masculine over the feminine is just not a very masculine thing to do. It's all, one of the things when I, the first European mm -hmm. men's gathering, also the second one, but one mm -hmm. of the things that struck me at I the first mm -hmm. European men's gathering was we were 140 men. We were together for a whole weekend, not one single time did I hear anyone say anything negative about women. Not once. Mm, and, it was right. and I was just so happy about That's that. That's very interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I can see that in my 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 parents actually. You know, um, you know, uh, I, I've never heard my father speak ill of my, of my mother. Right after their divorce, he just didn't. Oh. In fact, he would be more likely say sort of positive things about her, and 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 um, I ne I never heard to as as a young person I I heard negative things about my father relentlessly right and i think a lot of boys do uh, hear negative things about their father the father's the you know and, and it's not saying my father was it was any kind of model or example or, or or my mother either but but uh but but that seemed to be just normal right it seemed to be normal that um that you, one should speak very badly about 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 the the the, the guy who had, had fa failed and, and was a loser and 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 and, yeah, and that, but but he would he would not do the same thing for a woman. I, I, and why wouldn't he speak about about maybe out of fear? I don't know. Maybe no, out, maybe. no, no I have a very, very no. The reason why he doesn't speak bad about your your mother is because he's a man. Period. Mm -hmm. yeah. And also another thing is, no one wants to listen to a man who speaks badly about women. Mm -hmm. Women certainly don't want to hear about it. But even more, other men. We don't, we don't like to hear it, or mm -hmm. we, we just, yeah, yeah. Because and, and that that is that's off. That is like the worst kind of man, isn't it? The guy who's just complaining about women all the time, or it is. Yeah, there's something very unmasculine about it. And yeah. There's also something. I think it's also another thing is that we also men we don't we also don't want to uh, identify as victims. And there's something like if when when you talk bad about women and stuff, you're also putting yourself in the position of being a victim, and mm -hmm. that's also not a very masculine thing to do. Yeah, mm, I think it's. I mean, I, I have to be careful, but it, just looking empirically on what happens under the headline of feminism, there is a lot of taking the position of the victim, and yeah. there is a lot of talking badly about. Men. Yeah. I just have to. I mean, that's sure. just what I. Sure. But uh, that's uh, that's what even Ellis says in his book. It's like uh, it, the the power of women's gossip is actually there's a sacred quality to that. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, and you know, just talking about other people, and that's how you, you know, yeah. decide who's worthy and not worthy in yeah. in the community. And I'm sure, I'm sure, mm -hmm. I'm sure that there's some sort of and that that has some sort of a function. It, yeah. I, I'm sure that there's a purpose for that. I'm sure there's a purpose for that, and and, and yeah. there's good things about. You're that. not you're not just complaining about women here. That's that's not what you're. No, no, I'm sure yeah. that yeah. it has a function. Um, yeah. I'm not sure that function is always being performed in the best way, but I think there's a there's a primordial function in that. Otherwise, it wouldn't be there. I'm, yeah. I'm that much of a social functionalist sociologist I am. So, yeah. So 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 therefore, I also don't have a problem with women. Oh, oh. Women getting together and talking bad about their men, or I have absolutely no problem with that. They can do that all, all day long if they want to. However, I don't want to be, I mean, if, if, if I'm around men and they, I just, it, it, if they start talking bad about women, it, it, it just, there's, there's no energy in it. It's, I just, yeah, ah, I don't like it. Hmm. And I think oh, that's also- That's very, very interesting, yeah. To a large extent to our culture. Yeah. Mm, so, um, and it's uh, on the one. It's kind of like the. 
it's the Achilles. I don't know the Achilles heel, but it, it is also the problem of the. I was going to say the men's movement, but there isn't really yeah. a men's movement because, it, I mean, mm. it, it's 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 easy to have a it's or it's easier to have a movement if if you can sort of identify around some sort of victimhood. Oh, we're all victims. Let's form a movement. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, blah blah blah, and then you can form a movement. But you, it's very, very difficult to mobilize men around that because men, we don't like to mobilize around victimhood. Uh, so, mm, but, it, but at the same time, obviously there are problems in society in relations between men and women. Like for instance, like divorce, uh, yeah. legal arrangement around divorce and stuff, where there's huge problems with, that have to be solved there's a diff- it's so difficult to mobilize people, uh, men around these issues uh-huh. because, yeah, w- w- what is it actually you're identifying with then? Um, yeah, so this, this, but, but so you don't think that you don't think there could be a credible men's movement in the same way there's there's a women's movement, uh, you know, in the seventies. It's, it's not a question of credibility. It's not a question. It, it it's is a question of what marketing or or no, uh, it's being a, a big. Uh, it's, it's a question of getting enough men together to oh. uh, have a powerful movement. I think, I think, I think, um, I don't know if this is, to some extent, I think the, there will only, in order to solve the problems around the legal system around divorces, I mean, I'm talking about this because I, for me, that's the main problem for. The, or the, the main sort of political problem for men today mm-hmm. has to do with it. It's terrible. And mm-hmm. it's terrible everywhere, but especially terrible in Denmark. Um, and I've been involved in that, this work, so I also know something about it. Um, and I've seen, I mean, the work on this has been going on for at least 20 years. And I will say very little, if any progress has been made in those 20 years. Um, and, but I, and I think what, I think those, um, it's only when women start getting engaged in these questions that uh-huh. something will happen. So right. we need women to say, this is not good. We, we, we want our, our boys and our girls. Yeah. You need, need women to stick up for, for their, their men. Yeah. 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 Just yeah. like, I mean, just like men have, I mean, why do women have why do women have uh, the right to vote yeah because men stood up for them and said of course women should vote like mm. i'm not saying the women didn't also do something but there was plenty of men involved in that plenty yeah, plenty yeah. Of so there's there's a lot of goodwill of men towards women and 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 the the other the other thing is also true i mean there is a, I, I, I'm, there, of course there's a lot of but I, 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 but I, I do think, or I wish, I wish there would be more women who would sort of go into this and say, we need, we can't have. Well, maybe there are more women. They're just a silent majority of some kind. Like, I think they are. I think there are a lot of women that, that sort of would listen to this and, and agree, but then might be afraid to speak about it, um, yeah. uh, uh, you know, in, in a more public forum. If they, if if women could mobilize just ten yeah. percent of the passion and ten percent of the engagement that they've invested in the Me Too movement, if they could invest that 
in getting proper uh, divorce regulations, that would make uh, a world of a difference. Uh-huh. Uh, mm. Yeah. Mm. Do you want to talk about Shizik? Oh, sure. Well, uh, you know, I'm not an expert at Zizek. I just read like three of his books for, for fun. Um, <laughs> I never wrote, wrote about him or thought about him uh, that much, uh, as much as, as Jordan Peterson. But he, yeah, he's an interesting person to contemplate. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the, I, I, I found the interaction between, uh, or the, the meeting or whatever, what, the conversation between Zizek and Jordan Peterson. I really find that, found that uh, interesting yeah um, and i think i think mm. interesting because they they have such different approaches and ways of thinking you know peterson was sort of coming in there with his like you know all of his like fierce you know and energy and, and zizek yeah. zizek was kind of um <laughs> deflecting all that you know or something yeah. But I also, what for me, what the most, I, I was really happy about it, not so much because of whatever insights came out of it, but more because they actually listened to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. They actually listened to each other. Um, yeah. And so what I found was that it was really a, um, it, was, it, was, it was a civilized intellectual conversation. Yeah. And there was no hysteria. There was no, yeah, um, and I really liked that. Uh, I think a lot of people were, especially perhaps on the Shizik uh, uh, side, were of disappointed about this because they kind of wanted this dogfight or something, and they didn't get it. They just yeah. got two. Yeah, that was what's interesting was it was sort of built up to be this, uh, this battle of some kind, yeah. and then the battle never happened, and it just yes. ended up two people talking. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and I will say uh, that for me, that's one of the, another one, and perhaps an even greater contribution of Jordan Peterson, is that I see what, what, what he's brought to the table, which is what he's brought into the elect, intellectual environment is, it's, it's like as if he's got a rediscovered or through him we're rediscovering the intellectual conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When, where where I, I, a lot of what I've experienced, not among my colleagues, but sort of in, mm, I think at the, at the university, there's too little, we, we tend to just, we talk to people that we agree with. Mm-hmm. And then the ones we don't agree with are the ones that yeah. are from a different paradigm. Well, we sort of make up a straw man of them and then we discuss with that among ourselves and they do the same thing. Yeah. But I think with, mm, well, I guess I guess that's what's powerful about both Zizek and Peterson is they've brought these ideas down from the ivory tower in some yes. sense, and especially Peterson. Yeah. Um, uh, made, made yeah made it sort of made people inter- intellectually curious in ways that they weren't before, and 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 people who are not necessarily intellectuals, you know, by nature. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, that's true. Yeah, he's. I mean, yeah. And that's what's coming out and it, it, that you can just have, I mean, if you just have people talking and listening to each other, then, then there's, there's also an audience for that because people are just like people are hungry for men's work. They're yeah. also hungry for that. They're just hungry yeah. for, they're, they're hungry for uncensored conversation in, exactly. in a way that's, yes. but, that, but that's also civilized. It's a nice balance between, you know, yeah. where, where you should theoretically be able to say anything, you yeah. know, 
in a free yeah. society and, and talk about anything and you know yeah but but there is there is this intense sort of i think in the millennial generation especially the younger people there's this intense kind of um yeah this this political correctness or fear of being you know it's, yeah, it's almost like, like you have to find a scapegoat somewhere and 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 attack it and and uh and then that that distracts from the entire possibility of 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 uh, you know a conversation where you're yeah. learning and growing together i think i think i not I, I like my i guess my students are would be the millennial generation yeah, yeah, yeah. and um what i experience with my students and i agree with you yes there is what you're talking mm. about there is that in our culture in our time yeah. but i also sense that there's a lot of the opposite yeah me too yeah yeah there's so they are i i experience so many students of sort of the generation that i'm teaching now they're so fed up with that and they're so hungry for these big questions and these yeah. uh, big discussions about these potentially controversial uh, issues uh, and they're all for freedom of speech and freedom of thinking and I just, just as recently as yesterday I was giving a, 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 a lecture on Jordan Peterson organized by some students at the theology uh, department mm -hmm. at the Copenhagen University and they just formed a student association called Free Tanga which means free think uh, free thought or free thinking or something like oh, that. yeah was this controversial in other areas of the university or is that just over this like business of not really this no, business no, of no. jordan peterson being controversial and all that or is that is that kind of finished it was like a year ago a that was year like ago. a year ago yeah well a year, a year ago i did uh, a couple of lectures and uh public or at and there was a little bit there was a little bit of controversy about that but i but i sense these things are moving like so yeah. for me i can sense there's a difference just from a year ago and yeah today so a year ago jordan peter i had like colleagues coming oh what is this and oh are you not afraid or something like that yeah whereas today it's like wow jordan peterson ah interesting blah 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 um so i think things are yeah he ceased he ceased to be i just read a book by rene girard and he rene girard talks a lot about the scapegoat and He's yeah. ceased to be the scapegoat in such an yeah. intense way that he was a year and a half ago. He's kind of disappeared yeah. as as a person who who fulfills that role, and he's and, just sort of ordinary now. He's just like yeah. part of the landscape. Yeah. And I also another thing that I've experienced, or I think has happened, is that some of these attacks on ideas similar to Jordan Peterson, or uh, they were or just making these accusations like, oh, you're racist or you should be banned or something like that. They used to be for free. They, they used to be without risk. You could just make these accusations and then maybe you got away with it or maybe nothing happened. You can mm -hmm. just throw out accusations. That's, that's not how it is anymore. There's risk now involved uh -huh. in that. You can make these accusations. There's a, a faster feedback uh, loop, right? You can't just maybe... No, I think I think there's more the mirrors. That, there's a stronger mirror for for how you behave or something like that. Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, or, 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 or I think there's a stronger. I think what used to be like the silent majority who would not who were like um, 
who would agree with some of these ideas. Yes, there's differences between men and women or, or something, but they wouldn't voice them because, yeah. yeah. Or they would be in favor of free speech or something like that, but they wouldn't voice it. But now they've seen so many other people voicing it. So they're like, yeah, I can also say, so, um, so I think the, 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 uh, I, yeah, I don't, I was going to use the word power balance, but I'm not sure that's the right word here. Cause I don't think it's a matter of, well, power, maybe it's this it, whole middle ground area opening up where, you know, yeah, that's what I'm finding. That's what mm -hmm. I'm finding. And also, I mean, that's also what Jordan, I mean, part of what Jordan Peterson has done is he's sort of invited or a lot of non-academics into the academic debate or into debates, which mm -hmm. used to be exclusively, exclusively for academics. So you, you have a lot of like ordinary people or well, people who don't have anything at stake in the academic world who are now engaging in these debates, which just means you can't get away with some of the absurdities that you could get away with 10 years ago or something like Right. Now you're called out on them. Um, so, um, and, yeah. so, so it's, is it, is this the, the, the academic world, the, the institutions falling apart or is that exaggerated? You know, you know, Peter, that's one of the things Peterson talks about. He talks about yeah. how, 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 um, you know, the universities are, are sort of collapsing in I think institutions I, I, and, and, yeah. and uh, I, I think it can go both ways. I think it depends mm -hmm. on how the institutions, how they navigate this. Uh, I think there's also opportunities here for universities if they play it right. Um, so I don't think they necessarily have to collapse, but there's certainly some systems or there's certainly some parts of the academic system or which, which will collapse or are collapsing already. Um, so uh, I don't know. What, what do you think? I want to hear your opinion on this. Oh, well, I, I think it's definitely uh, a collapse and restructuring time. What do you mean by collapse? So because I, I teach, well, I teach, you know, I teach at French universities and I'm not a permanent staff member. I'm very much an outsider. So yeah. I don't get the ins and outs of things, but I, 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 get, I do get direct contact with the students a lot. And uh, I, I definitely have a feeling that the students have changed in the past few years. But they're getting smarter and they're teaching they're, they're getting better at teaching themselves things and that's so a, an old school teacher who has nothing relevant to say is becoming more redundant right so you have to you have to you have to you have to pick up the pace a bit and be, be more relevant and say yeah. things that you know be more meaningful be more relevant and and be on top of what's going on and um, of course you have to be like a bit with it with the technology um, or you're mm. gonna lose them pretty fast <clears throat> so yeah and also there's this you know five five years ago 10 years ago there was no computers in the classroom it's just there's like a third element there there's the it's it's the teacher student machine now and and mm -hmm. it's a whole new dynamic you know when they want to daydream they can just go into their computer and, and daydream and, and, mm -hmm. which is fine i guess if the teacher's boring maybe it's better i mean maybe they're learning more uh, on I, own. In my class, I don't allow any screens in my class. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But you anyway, but I, get I, 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 I get what you see. And I think, so I think, mm, I think my own, mm, I don't know, I, I'm going to toot my own horn or at least my, so I, I work at a business school, right? Yeah, yeah, right. So I think, I think some of the things like, 
um, one of the benefits of a business school is that we, we can't afford, we, we have to be more... Less bullshit, so to speak. Yeah, or more in tune, uh -huh. like this element of... The, yeah. How does this relates to the world outside? How does this relate to yeah. the jobs that people are actually going to perform? That's a mm -hmm. more a, an integrated part of our discipline or what we're doing there. So in yeah. that sense, I... I think we're, we're better tuned. We're more, in some sense, I think we're more flexible. We're more, we, yeah. we respond quicker to things that are going on outside of the university. Right. And I think that's a good thing. Um, so, uh, well, Mark, I, I teach at engineer schools and business schools. So I, I see the, the difference ah. and, and engineer, uh, you know, engineer, well, it, it, it kind of, it's a segue to our discussion with guys. Engineers are 90% guys, obviously. And, yeah. and, uh, and so they have a certain quality. They're usually very, uh, they're usually very bright and uh, they're, they're less, the business people are more social. They're more, you know, uh, yeah. extroverted and social and more on the ball in that way. But the engineer guys are introverted and weird and, and creative and they like to go into, uh, you know, different worlds. And, and uh, so I, so that that's kind of interesting. I, I'm glad I'm teaching at those kind of schools also, even though my background is in the humanities uh, uh, and literature, because mm. because I, I again because I think these kind of schools are, you know, the Grande Ecole in Paris. They're more they're more pragmatic uh, um, minded yeah. people. Yeah. So uh, so um, there's less um, theoretical flakiness. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's probably true. Yeah. I was really, I mean, I've been at the business school now for 10 years and I really, I, I really enjoy this mix of, uh, or, or, or even also the students. I mean, they come there for the hunger for knowledge and they're curious and they've got all of that, but they're also like, okay, we want to do something in the world. We want to get a job. We want to be relevant and stuff like that. So, yeah. so that's in your, and, and, and they also, I sense that at least in, in my, in our pro, I teach in a, in a program where we combine philosophy and business administration or philosophy mm -hmm. and economics. So, um, and I sense that they are quite sort of ideologically diverse. Yeah. So, so you can't just, I mean, I mean, you, you can't get away with just, yeah, uh, capitalism is bad, blah, blah. You can't go that way. And, but uh, you can't also say, yeah, oh, Marcus will fix everything. Like, you, mm -hmm. you will, regardless of what you say, you can risk being sort of challenged from either side. Um, and I really enjoy that. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I really love my students. Uh, yeah, uh, I really, really love them. So, um, um, yeah, I'm very, I'm so optimistic at the moment. <laughs> I'm really, yeah, uh, even though, I mean, some of the stuff we're talking about is like, yeah, there's huge problems. But I, I, yeah. I really sense that, I just sense that things I'm, uh, a lot of things that they're moving in the right direction. Uh, yeah. That's great. Okay. Maybe I can ask you like one more sort of pertinent question. And, and that is uh, w when we were speaking the last, on the last night of this men's group yeah. uh, in Denmark, um, you talked about, uh, you wanted to, um, you wanted to, to do something about uh, starting men's groups in, in companies and we had this whole discussion on the pragmatics of that and whether you know how that would work and and, and that kind of thing so and then I wrote this paper which kind of um, not paper excuse me a blog post which mm -hmm. kind of um, uh, uh, was a riff on that idea um, that 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 it would be good to have men's groups 
you know, in, in institutions. And it would yeah. be good to, to um, you know, which got some, uh, some, some mixed reactions. People thought, oh, yeah, you're just, you want to go back. Uh, and we've mm. made so, so much progress. And I, I say, no, it's not. I was thinking, no, it's, that's not quite right. I'm not saying I, I want to go back to something. It's more like I want to, I want to rediscover something for the future or, yeah. Um, so anyway, I, 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 I like that idea and I, and I'm, I'm interested in, in, in how you're trying to put it into, into practice. So, so I, where I, you're at with that. Yeah. So I, I started this, uh, small company with, um, two associates. One is Paul, who's, uh, organizing a European men's gathering. And the other one is Torben, who is also at the European men's gathering. Um, and the idea, so, as I said also in the beginning, I have this sense that that being a man is such an asset. There's so much energy in that uh, that you can yeah tap into. Um, but I also and 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 that's of course that's what we're doing at the European Men's Gathering. But I also sense that for many men going to the European Men's Gathering, it's it's like a, it's a big step for them. Like most of the men who are there, they already done some kind of other self-development work or something like that so for so going to an event like that it, it's it's for everyone of course and there's a lot of different kinds of men but they are also men who are already sort of yeah used to thinking about themselves and stuff so what we wanted to do was to say how can we make it easier for more mm-hmm. men mm-hmm. to get some of reap some of the benefits of this work to get to do men's work uh so and 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 so what we were what we're what we're trying to do is to present this in a form where it's accessible to the corporate world so that through your work you can kind of you can enter into men's work uh and of course i mean that you have to do it in a special way and uh, but but it is i mean what i think what what you get out of what you can get out or what you do get out of men's work is, um, is actually leadership. I mean, you get a, this, this ability to speak from your heart or to mobilize your, not just your head, but the rest of your body in decision-making and in, in your judgments and stuff. That's what we train in men's work. And I think that's beneficial in all relations. It's beneficial in your family life and your kids and your wife, but it's also very, beneficial in your work life. I mean, if you work with other people, it's to be able to speak from your heart and say honestly to someone, look, when you say that, I feel like this or something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm, So I think there's a lot of benefits in this, which could also be valuable in the corporate world. So that's what we're trying. It's called Athos. The company is called Athos. And we're still in the process of figuring out how, on the one hand, there's a certain quality to just working with men and having men work with men. But of course, in the corporate world, there's, there's men and women. Yeah. And, 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 and with absolutely, absolutely no ambition of excluding women from the corporate world. Not at all. Uh, so, so we also, I mean, I think there should also be women's work in corporations. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. But I think yeah. that now we're just starting with this men's work and seeing how we, how we, what we can do with that. Um, so, so basically what we want to do is do, take some of the techniques and methods that we use in the European men's gathering and then 
introduce that to uh, corporations or other workplaces. Mm -hmm. Mm, sounds great. Yeah, I, I was, I was, somebody, Alexander was mentioning this, this need for like desexualized spaces. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, what do you think of that as a concept? It, it depends on what he means with desexualized spaces. If he means spaces where there's no. Well, I mean, the office is such a place of flirtation, right? And. Um, uh, yeah, okay, I see that. Yeah, so, yeah, okay, now I see where he's getting. So I think the idea here is, or, or maybe what he's, as I understand what you're saying, is that if you take, what happens if you take a group of men and get them together in a room with no women? Yeah. You take, what you do is you take sex out of the equation. Yeah. And when you do that, you other opportunities arise so you can that's also what we experience at the european men's yeah. gathering in, in, in some ways it's like a, it's a it's more of a safe space yeah and, and and one of the paradoxes that i find in men's work well, it's not a paradox but it's a is that when you bring men together only men yeah what comes out is on the one hand their masculinity comes out in a mm. more pure or more but also, also their femininity, mm -hmm. but also their feminine side. Or in other words, their ability to care for each other. And that, I mean, I guess if, if you have people in the military or if you have people in a monastery, they, if they're, if they're isolated from the women, they have to develop that aspect of themselves, right? In order to, yeah, to survive, I, right? Yeah. And I think another thing is that if you're just because that's how men are, I mean, if there's a woman, if, if you have a group of nine men and there's one woman there, and regardless of what kind of a woman she is, you will, there's something in you where you kind of think, oh, I need to take care of this woman. So mm -hmm. when I say something, mm -hmm. I, I can't just speak directly from my heart. I have to think, oh, how will this woman react or think yeah. about what I'm now saying? Yeah. And once you get to into that, you're kind of like, ah, rah, 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 and then oh, your, your words kind of, you can't really, whereas if it's just men, you just, this is, there's a directness uh, there. Yeah, there's yeah. something about, and, and another thing is also- And you don't go into a seduction mode of, of yeah. uh, trying you to, you know- competing, that's another thing. You don't start competing for the women and you're, you're just- No, 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 it's not like- You're able, actually, that's the funny thing because men together are considered to be this, you know, the, the, the rivalrous, like competing and macho kind of thing. But, but almost when men get together, the rivalry kind of falls away. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and uh, yeah, you, there's just this direct- uh, yeah, you know, being together. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So more men in the world should uh, experience that. The more yeah. men who experience that, the better the world. And the more happy they'll be. I mean, that's it's just yeah. it's because there's so many miserable, unhappy men who are all alone in front of their computers, and you know, the, the more they build community with other men. Uh, you know, I I, I have a, a colleague, and she has three sons, and they they play rugby together, and they're so happy, these guys. Like you can tell because they have a tribe, right? You mm -hmm. know, and, and you know, a lot of, you know, I think about like a lot of these miserable guys who are all kind of all alone and kind of like in front of their computers. It's like, you know, you, you need male friendships. You need male, you know, mm -hmm. encouragement and all that. No, no, mm -hmm. no, that's true. That's true. Yeah.